coming up on All Nations Church. You are either a child of God or a child of the devil. You're on your way to heaven or on your way to hell. And yet the tragedy is that so many people go through their life without ever taking a moment to contemplate eternity and the ramifications of what that actually means. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I think this is so important for us to never forget. Uh, you know, I had a very vivid dream during the week. And uh, I, I really disturbed my wife because I woke up screaming. And, and in the dream, uh, you know, I, I, I dropped into hell. And I was there and I was just seeing person after person just dropping into, into this place of, of utter despair. Um, so o- over the last number of weeks, we've been looking at how God wants us uh, to be fearless. And, um, you know, I hope the series has uh, spoken to you and encouraged you and, and hopefully stirred your faith. Amen. And um, because in the dark days that we're living in, I believe God wants us to be utterly fearless. Amen. So we've been looking at keys to developing fearless faith in our lives. Firstly, preparation. Be ready for your moment when it comes. Amen. Don't complain about lack of opportunity when you're not preparing for opportunity should it present itself. Amen. Uh, the second one was conviction. Believe and all things become possible. Mark 9.23, one of my favorite verses. If you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Amen. And so, uh, uh, thirdly, confession. Declare what you want, not what you have. So many times our prayer life consists of nothing other than us listing our problems to God as if he doesn't know what they are. Amen. He's God. Amen. Uh, So again, uh, fourthly, innovation. Dare to be different. Amen. Uh, Turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, you got that one down. Um, (laughs) No, don't do that. Goliath was a giant with an undefeated record. But all it took was a stone. Just one stone, and it took him down. Amen? Fifthly, demonstration. Faith must be demonstrated because faith is an act, not a theory, a feeling, or an emotion. So our lifestyle declares and demonstrates to others what we believe. Romans 15 and 18, and it says, Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convicted by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Irilicum. And you see, the gospel must be demonstrated, amen? It's not mere theory or dogma. It is the truth. Romans 1.16 says, It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, amen? So again, and this power is released when we believe in it when we believe it and when we act in it, we serve a God of miracles. Amen. And um, so, uh, you know, I'm just reminded of, of, of Camilla. She was at our house a few weeks back, lovely young Polish lady, her and Shane. She was talking about how she collapsed. She was taken to hospital and um, they were talking about putting a, a, a pacemaker into her. And um, 
she prayed, she, she called me, she asked for prayer, and we just prayed, said, Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray healing over her heart, whatever's going on there, and uh, they were talking about putting a pacemaker in her on that very day, I mean, this is a young lady in her 30s, and um, uh, uh, so we prayed, said, Lord, we pray healing, and we declare you're coming out of that hospital in Jesus' name. She rang me a couple of hours later, they did, uh, they did more tests, they came back, and the doctor said, that's the wrong person, it's the wrong tests, and she said, no, these are the tests, and the tests were completely different, and they said, well, I guess you're going home. And uh, so, glory to God. We serve a God of miracles. And, and this is a day where I believe we need to demonstrate the power of God to our generation in Jesus' name. So, again, Romans 8 and 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The new living. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. How many of you know the day is becoming much more evident who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are? Amen. There's, you know, the gray areas are, are rapidly disappearing. And so, anyway, uh, the world is desperately waiting for the children of God to rise up. God's Spirit and demonstrate His power and His glory to a new generation. Amen. A generation that is broken, a generation that is lost, and a generation that needs to hear the truth. Because Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 13 and 5, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So, if Jesus Christ is the same. He will do the same things today that we saw Him do in the Gospel. Amen? Like healing and delivering. And this is why you have to dare to lay hands on the sick. You have to dare to command out devils in Jesus' name. And they will have to leave. Act like Jesus is real and His promises are true because they are. Amen? It's time for demonstration. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5 it says, Because our Gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So David demonstrated a fearless faith by facing down, you know, the enemies of God. Did David feel fear in that moment? I'm sure he did. Amen? But he did it anyway. And, and so there will be times and occasions when you won't be able to help feeling fear. You know, bills you can't pay, a diagnosis from a doctor, issues in your marriage or with your kids or maybe your children are or struggles with panic or anxiety, etc. You know, the list going, goes on. But you know, David learned the secret to success in life. Trust God, not your feelings. Trust God, not your emotions. Amen. Psalm 56 and verse 3, it says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. He didn't say if. This is the man who killed Goliath. This was a mighty leader, a mighty warrior of God. And yet he said, when I am afraid. And so get over the fact, at times in life, you will feel fear. But you don't have to allow fear. Um, uh, like I said, to, uh, just because you feel fear, doesn't mean that you allow fear to determine your uh, demeanor, your decisions, or your destiny. Don't allow fear to, to dictate what... Resist fear like you resist the devil because it is from the devil. Amen? So remember, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, one of power, love, and a sound mind. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So regards to fearless faith, preparation, conviction, confession, innovation, demonstration, and lastly, inspiration. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. Here Paul the Apostle is talking, and he said, 
who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Is Emerson here today? Emerson from Philippines. Well, I just want to raise him up. His wife, Sita, died during the week. I was talking to him and, you know, he, he's, he's broken hearted. And so, Lord, we just pray for comfort for Emerson, Lord God. You love that man and I pray that you minister to him at the point of his need in this t- dark time, Lord. Uh, Father, but you are with him, Lord, and we know where his wife is. She's with you in glory and we rejoice that Sita has run her race and she's gone to be with you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, again, the Bible here talks about comfort. Um, it, 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 it says who comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those with the, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God and so what we, we must understand from this is our faith can inspire others we can comfort um, we can bless others with what we have been blessed with by God Amen. First Samuel 17 talks about when David killed Goliath the men of Israel rose up and they, they uh, fought against uh, their enemies um, because you see God is no respecter of persons and when people see you do it it encourages them it inspires them to do it as well you would be amazed when you decide to get married or buy a house or uh, you know, uh, get in shape or get out of debt <laughs> some of you uh, get out of shape and get into debt that's another story but um, uh, or when you witness your example will inspire others to do it as well amen 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 imitate me even as I imitate Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So just, you know, if we will be inspired by, by, by Christ, by God's grace, our lives can inspire others as well. You know, William Carey was a British missionary. He went to India with his family. And uh, not too long after arriving there, he ended up burying his five-year-old child. His wife lost her mind and had to be uh, locked up. And it was seven years before he saw his first convert. And after a ministry of, of 41 years spent in India, he had only 700 converts in a land of millions. And yet his example inspired many other great missionaries like David Livingston and uh, uh, Hudson Taylor and um, uh, Adoniram Judson um, uh, to go and reach multitudes themselves. And so again, inspiration is important. So we've dealt with fearless faith. Last week we dealt with fearless love because we're called to love fearlessly. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. And so when we encounter love, we have encountered something from another world. And that is why we all gravitate towards love. And then we all long to be loved ultimately. That's, you know, when it gets down to it. And so ultimately when we leave this life, I believe one of the highest things that can be said of us is that we loved people. Amen? Because, again, uh, Billy Graham said this, nothing uh, can bring a real sense of security into the home except true love. Because the truth is this, you can love people and use things, or you can love things and use people. The choice really is yours. Amen? So we must walk in fearless love. And last week we dealt with firstly, listen. And secondly, we must learn. And lastly, we must look. Um, Luke chapter 21, and, and here it says, 
And there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and uh, the expectation of those things that are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens uh, shall be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your head, because your redemption draws near. It doesn't say when you see these things happening, feel sorry for yourself or start ordering you know, some, some dried food online uh, or looking for a cave to hide away. It says when you see these things, li- lift up your head. Amen. There was an old advert back in the 80s. Look up, it's Aer Lingus. And there was a, a, you know, a plane would fly over your head. You know. Well, in the same way, look up when you see all of this craziness around us. Look up, Jesus Christ is coming back again. Amen. The best is yet to come. How many of you believe that? So, (laughs) if you're going to clap, then clap, all right? (laughs) I'm just tying up a few loose ends before we really get into it today. Amen? So, we must look, because we must look to Him even as the days become even more uncertain, challenging, or just plain crazy. The secret to success is looking unto Jesus. Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So take your eyes off the WHO, the WEF, the UN, and anybody else, and realize there is only one who holds our times in his hands. There is only one who sits on the throne of eternity, and it is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Could somebody say amen in Jesus' name? Where are your eyes right now? On the economy, on your bank balance, on what scientists or politicians or celebrities are saying. No, as the song goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We got to put our eyes on Jesus no matter what's going on or what's going wrong. Why? Because he is the lover of your soul. First John chapter 4 and verse 9. And it says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. I love, it says that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. You know, every one of us can say this with certainty. Irrespective of whether you're saved six months or 20 years, the reality is we only really began to live when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Life begins with Jesus. Glory to God. So again, Jesus Christ the same. We don't have to be afraid because Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Jesus Christ the same. The same love. The same mercy. The same healing, delivering power. I don't know what your problem is, but I know this. Jesus is the answer. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, the cross and the open tomb are a reminder that dark days don't last forever. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Christ conquered and you will conquer too in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You don't have to wish, oh God, I wish I was back in the 80s. I was back in the 80s. Amen. 
<laughs> so are most of you. But, um, uh, you know, it's important that we recognize God wants us here right now. He has a purpose. He has a plan. Amen. So we can love because we have a joy this world didn't give us and this world can't take from us. Amen. Hallelujah. How many remember that, that song? This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. No. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the, the world can't take it away. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we need to sing some of those old songs. D.L. Moody. If we have got the true love of God shed abroad in our hearts, we will show it in our lives. We will not have to go up and down the earth proclaiming it. We will show it in everything we say or do. Augustine, wicked men obey God from fear, good men from love. You see, love cannot be disconnected from action. David Wilkerson, love is not only something you feel, it is something you do. And love always moves us to action. I'm reminded of David Wilkerson's story about how he was pastoring in a rural part of America and he was watching the TV how there was this, this uh, a gang of, of young men who had uh, uh, murdered somebody and they were uh, up in, in court and this was on the national loose and he was so burdened for these young men that nobody believed in because they were you know, members of gangs and, and, and God sent him uh, to New York and you know the story of the cross and the switchblade is such an inspiring story but this was a man who was moved by the love of Jesus Christ and you know he started to reach many of these uh, men uh, for Christ fact is one of the men that he reached uh, an extremely dangerous individual Nicky Cruz a man became radically saved and that man preached in this very stadium uh, probably 20 odd years ago and has become you know a mighty evangelist so again love can change the most hardened heart you see love doesn't look at the price tag God so loved the world that he gave gave his only son amen so the cross is an everlasting testament to God's undying unconditional love for you and for me I look at the cross and I'm reminded that my life has value I look at the cross and I'm reminded that there's a God in heaven who cares a God in heaven who understands a God in heaven who has a plan for my life even if I don't understand everything that is going on in my life the cross is testament to the fact that God valued your soul God so loved the world hallelujah and that includes you turn to your neighbor and say you are loved Amen. Isn't that beautiful to know you are loved? Love doesn't look at the price tag. You see, our Father saw the state of our souls and the price that it would take to redeem us, and He didn't blink. He sent His Son, Jesus. God's love for us is unconditional, unwarranted, unlimited, and yet freely given. Could somebody say, thank you, Jesus? I'm loved. I might not be perfect, but I'm loved. I got all sorts of issues, but I'm loved. I got a past, but thank God, because of love, I have a future. Glory to Jesus. Amen. This is the good news of the gospel. Mother Teresa said this. I'm not sure exactly what heaven will be like, but I know that when we die, and it comes time for God to judge us, he will not ask, how many good things have you done in your life? Rather, he will ask, how much love did you put into what you did. How much love did you put into what you did? I said to my wife this week, you know, we have about five, do you know what a close horse is? We call, in Ireland, we call it a close horse. 
We've six. It's, it's not a horse. It's, it's, it's a close error. So we have six of them. And um, they're going the whole time. And my wife was just doing what she does every week. Most of you don't realize, you know, she looks so beautiful and glamorous here. But, you know, during the week, she, she gets through a heavy workload. You know, she worked out the last day. something like 100 socks every week she has to watch and, uh, you know, all sorts of other things. But she was there just, I was, I was sitting reading my Bible. <laughs> and she was there hanging up all of the clothes. And then, you know, once they're dry, she, she folds them, she irons them, she brings them up. And, um, uh, you know, she's... She, I said to you know, Joanna, you're going to get a reward in heaven for what she said. I don't think God rewards you for that. Yes, He does because you're doing it with love, and everything that we do with love will be rewarded. Amen. How many of you believe that? Some of the mothers are like, "Thank God." <laughs> God sees what you do. Remember this: we've dealt with fearless faith, fearless love. It was I said it last week, but it was love that put Christ in the cradle. It was love that put Christ on the cross. And it was love that raised him out of that cold, dark tomb. Hallelujah. Let's walk in fearless love. And today, I'm going to deal with fearless witness. I'm probably not going to finish it, but last week will definitely be the last part in this series. I want to read a few Bible verses here from Acts. Um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And it says... But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Hallelujah. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Stand up, Liam. Every week, Liam is on the street leading a team of evangelists, winning souls, right in the heart of our city. Hallelujah. Twice a week, he's going out, Saturday and Tuesday. If you want to learn how to win souls, get around that guy. Hallelujah. Show your appreciation for this... See, the devil tried to destroy your life. God knew there was a call there. The devil knew there was a call there. That's why he tried to derail you. But you know, I tell you, we're proud of you. We love you. Hallelujah. Look at his beautiful wife, Nalini, right next to him. Glory to God. It's a new season in your life, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You shall receive power and you shall be witnesses to me. Um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 32. This Jesus has God raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Chapter 3 and verse 15. And kill the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Chapter 4 and verse 33. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Maybe we would see more of God's grace if we witnessed more. Chapter 5 and verse 32. And we are His witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Acts chapter 10 and verse 39. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. You see, we are witnesses. Verse 41. 
And not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and of the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Acts 13 and verse 31. He was seen for 40 days by those who came with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. You see, you are his witnesses. Verse 17, chapter 14. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Even the fact that the sun rose this morning is a witness to God's mercy. The fact that we had rain this week The fact that you woke up this morning, it is a witness to God's goodness. The fact that most of us have a job to go to tomorrow morning or that you have a a, a bed to sleep on and a roof over your head tonight. The fact that you're healthy in your body. The fact that you have people in your life who love you. That is a witness of God's goodness to you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Never forget what God has done for you. You know, many of you once only dreamed of walking in what you walk in today. Remember that time when you were praying for that job? Remember that time that you were desired, you you wanted to, to fall in love or to have kids or to have a home or have a place that you could call your own? And yet many times we, we get blessed with these things. Maybe it's a car you drove to in church today. Maybe you were sick in your body and now you're well. You know, there's so many things we take for granted. These are all witnesses to us of God's goodness. He has been good to us. Could somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. God has been good to us. Acts chapter 22 and verse 15. How many of you love the Bible? Oh, come on, lift up your Bible and make the devil mad. How many of you love your Bible? Phone's not a Bible. Hallelujah. (laughs) You'll never pick this up and be distracted by a ping or by anything else. Pick up a phone and there's any numbers of of avenues to which the enemy can distract you. But anyway, um, verse 15. Hallelujah. And you will be his witnesses to all men of what you have seen and heard. Praise God. 23 verse 11. But the following night the Lord stood by me and said to me, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you also bear witness at Rome. Praise God. So God wants us to bear witness. Acts chapter 26 and verse 16. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you, to deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes, in order to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all those who are uh, sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
Here Paul you know, reveals uh, the, 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 the purpose that God um, uh, revealed to him in that moment when he got saved. And Paul said that God called him not just to be a minister but to be a witness. And, and, he, and here God gives the reason why. And I think this is so important for us to never forget. Uh, you know, I had a very vivid dream during the week. And uh, I, I really disturbed my wife because I woke up screaming. And, and in the dream, uh, you know, I, I, I dropped into hell. And I was there, and I was just seeing person after person just dropping into, into this place of, of utter despair, uh, of utter torment. And, you know, just this sense of, of uh, uh, anticipation that, that uh, you know, as bad as it was, it was going to be worse. That you would never again be in the presence of God. You would never again be in the presence of love. You would never again experience peace. You, you, you would be in a place of endless torment. And, and, and it just gripped me to the point, I woke up screaming, my wife was like, what, what, does, what, what, what meaneth this? And um, I, I said, turn on the light. And, uh, but here Paul, I believe, was given a, 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 you know, a, a sense, and, and it was put, recorded there for, for a reason, to show us that this ends in heaven or hell. And, and this is why we're called to be witnesses. We must be fearless witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not called to be 007 Christians. This is a time and a day where men and women need to be bold about their faith. You know, praise God, Audrey, that you shared the gospel with your cousin and she got saved. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Come on. That's a beautiful thing. What a privilege that we can, we can share the gospel and influence the eternal destiny of another, another eternal soul. And so Paul said, I've appeared to you for this reason. He said, to deliver you from, uh, verse 18, to open their eyes in order that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Let me say this today. As you are listening you are either a child of God or a child of the devil. You're on your way to heaven or on your way to hell. And yet the tragedy is that so many people go through their life without ever taking a moment to contemplate eternity and the ramifications of what that actually means. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Jesus acknowledged that you have an eternal soul. Your friends have an eternal soul. Your children have an eternal soul. And it's so important, therefore, that we serve God's purposes and that we are not ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, it says that I am not ashamed of the gospel. Don't ever be ashamed of Jesus. Because let me say this. You might say, well, pastor, I don't know how to preach. You don't need to know how to preach. You just need to tell your story. If you are saved, you have a story to tell. If you have experienced forgiveness, the peace of God, if you have been redeemed, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Glory to God. Don't be ashamed to let the world know you belong to Jesus. Don't be ashamed to let people know there is a different way, that there is a light that shines in the darkness, that there is hope. Because right now, particularly with, with people that are 
as they say, red-pilling or awakening to all of the various agendas that are going on in the world right now, a lot of people are, are, are you know, they're giving in to despair because they're saying, well, you know, even people that are not Christian can see that there are some very evil people who are using their power because, again, when they talk about zero COVID, uh, when they talk about, you know, zero carbon, in reality, in my opinion, I think a lot of them are really talking about zero people. Because much of these things are anti-people. Look at what's happening in Shanghai. People throwing themselves off skyscrapers because they're so full of despair. You know, to the point where the government are even killing their little pets. The one little piece of, 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 of encouragement and love these people might find. You know, this, we're dealing with some demonic agendas that are at play. But it's so important for us as the church that we do not give in to despair. That we do our job, which is lift up Jesus. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men unto me. We are, we, are, we are the light. Let's not give in to the darkness. Let's keep shining the light. Let's keep lifting up Jesus. Let's keep telling people there is hope. Hallelujah. Because Jesus lives. Glory to God. He conquered death. He conquered he conquered the grave, he conquered the devil, and he's, he has conquered every servant of the devil right now that's operating in this environment and in this world. And there's no shortage of them. Amen? But I'm not going to focus on those people. I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to focus on running my race. I'm going to focus on lifting him up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, anyway, we're called to be witnesses. Verse uh, 22, therefore having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and to great. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing that, 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 that Liam is there out there week after week. Just, just, just giving people an opportunity to take a moment to reflect on eternity. Because I truly believe there are people who live and die without ever really taking time to reflect on eternity. We are witnesses. Clearly, if the book of Acts is our example as the New Testament church, and I truly believe that it is, then we're called to be witnesses. Do you know the word witness means to have knowledge of from observation or experience? A person who sees or otherwise has personal knowledge of something. Like I said, you have personal knowledge of salvation if Jesus is your Lord. You mightn't be eloquent, you mightn't be able to preach or give a five-point sermon or a 15-point sermon in my, in my case, but... Uh, you can open your mouth. The Bible says open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You can tell somebody your story. Tell somebody what Jesus did for you. Glory to God. So anyway, that word witness in the Greek is martos. It's where we get the word martyr from. It means a witness literally or figuratively. It means a martyr, a record or a witness. And so a witness is one who goes on record and produces evidence. And since its very inception, the church of Jesus Christ has given fearless witness to the truth. You see, uh, you know, men and women have been burned at the stake for the sake of Christ. You know, the, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 8, here it's talking about the apostles. And um, it says... Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. You see, the disciples gave such a bold, fearless witness that even the Pharisees were forced to admit that, you know, that, that the lives of these ordinary, uneducated men had been forever impacted by Jesus Christ. Amen? So, fearless witness. You shall be witnesses unto me. So again, we're called to walk in fearless faith, fearless love, and fearless witness. So, exactly what is our witness? It is far more than simply standing on a street and talking to somebody about Jesus Christ. Amen. It's so much more than this. Firstly, I would say, and I'm going to deal with just this point today. Fearless witness. Firstly, it is how we live. Not what we say, but how we live. Amen. Because again, it is how we represent Christ. Okay. Too many times as the church, we've settled for, oh, it's what I believe. No, your witness is firstly what you live. Not what you say, it's how you live. How, how you treat your wife. How you treat your children. Uh, you know, how, how you treat your, your colleagues. Um, you know, I had a vivid dream last week. And in the dream, I heard a voice saying, if you only had a few years to live, then how would you live your life? And I remember the dream saying I would make far better use of my time. And um, in the dream, I was having a conversation with my precious wife, Joanna. She looks so beautiful today. Oh, my. <laughs> Hallelujah. Love you, baby. <laughs> it's my birthday, and I can, I'll cry if I want to. Um, just like it goes. But uh, I was talking to, to Pastor Joanna, and I said, The Lord has shown me that he has called us to show people how to live. Not because we're perfect, or we know it all, or we have it all together, uh, but rather because His Word shows us. It's not a secret. Amen. Uh, Psalm 19 and verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In an imperfect world, God's Word is perfect. It is eternal, infallible truth from heaven. Amen. And this is why the Bible reveals to us the way to live. Psalm 55 and verse 23. It says, "Blood." To, it says, but you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Like I said, this life, whether you like it or not, terminates in eternity. People talk about how death is the end. Death is not the end, it's the beginning. It is the beginning of eternity. Are you ready for eternity? Most people are not. And here it says... Uh, bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days but I will trust in you you know we're living it says bloodthirsty and deceitful men will not live out half their days do you know you can live your life in a way to the point where you will not live out your full life you will not live out your appointed life if you don't know how to treat people properly this is important to understand you know it says bloodthirsty and deceitful men we are living in a time where there is so much deceit and innocent blood being shed. Do you know that there's over 13 million little unborn babies have been aborted this year so far? Today, 125,000 little babies will have their life terminated before they ever get a chance to take their first breath. That is evil. The West has spilt a literal river 
of blood. And they think it's progress bringing that here to Ireland. You know, in 20, I think it was in 2020, somewhere in the region of the population of the whole of Crumlin was aborted. But yeah, that's progress. No, it's not. You know, over the last two years, globally, we have seen politicians, journalists, and scientists. And I use that term loosely because, again, if you're not allowed to question, that's not science. That's dogma. But you had politicians, scientists, journalists, etc., knowingly deceiving the public. There will be a reckoning in eternity for the lies that men told and the lies that men lived. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. You see, the Bible is our sure guide in this life. It teaches us how to live. And ultimately, these are the ABCs of the Christian life. How many people end up in prison or get divorced or even sadly die before their time simply because they didn't know any better? But we do. As Christians, we do because God has given us the blueprint for living your life. Amen? And this is the question. What are you doing with the truth that you have been given? Philippians 1.21 For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Are you truly living for Christ? And if not, then why not? Are you walking in the light of God's word? Because you are not qualified to give what you don't live. And this is the problem. Too many times we are trying to shove truth down the throats of others that we are not living ourselves. And that is hypocrisy. Okay, so again, it's so important, you know, that that we must live the truth. We must walk this. We must live this. And, and so uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it's talking here about the Bible. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So this isn't just another religion, another doctrine, another teaching. No, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And you know, the, the, the chapters and verses were put in afterwards, so uh, you can see the logical progression of what Paul is talking about here in chapter 4. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So this is why you, some people wonder, oh, Pastor John, you need to be careful. I don't have to be careful. I know the judgment of man is irrelevant. What matters is the judgment of God. And that day, every one of us will stand before God's judgment. This is why some of you need to get over the fear of man. The fear of man is a snare. You can live your life based on the judgment of man, or you can live it based on the judgment of God. As for me, I've made that decision. I'm going to walk before God. And so it says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will be turned aside to fables. So again, here the Bible warns us that in the end days, that people will turn aside to fables. You see, how we live matters to God. Acts chapter 5, we have the story here of Ananias and Sapphira. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, 
and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why then have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. The early church, God was moving in a very powerful way. And when God is moving, you better not get in his way. And let me say this, in the days that are to come, there's going to be a different kind of preaching. There's going to be, a, there's a different anointing for this day. How many of you can say, looking at the world around us, things have changed. Yes. He changes the times and the seasons. And I believe that there's a, a preaching that is going to come forth in these end days that will shake you. Yes. It will shake you. Because we need to be shaken. We need to be shaken. We need to be awake to the times that we're in. The, the early church, God was moving in a powerful way. The end times church, God is going to be moving in a powerful way. And it is so important that we do not get in His way by playing religious games. Let me say this. The religious games that church, Christians were able to play years ago and get away with, you are not going to get away with it in these days. Be holy. God has called us to live for Him. Because the time is short. The need is great. Amen. And we must give God our best. And so anyway, it says, then Peter uh, asked his wife, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon the church and upon all those who heard these things. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I really believe God is going to restore the fear of the Lord to his people. You know, you, you read some of these sermons, you know, uh, John, uh, Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, or, 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 or uh, you know, uh, Charles G. Finney, or th these other revivalists. Uh, they weren't there trying to make you feel happy. They weren't there trying to stroke your ego and tell you about how great you are and how great he is. And, and uh, No, th th there was a power, there was a fire, there was a purity to that. And I really believe these end days, God is turning up the heat. Amen? How many of you know, when you want something to be refined... You turn up the heat. And I believe the heat is being turned up because God is preparing His church so that we will be that spotless bride ready to see Him at His return. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, how we live matters greatly to God. If you don't believe this, then simply ask Ananias and Sapphira because God's standards have not changed. It is still, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. God wants us to live holy lives. Personally, as a pastor, let me say this. I'm tired uh, of, of hearing of pastors whom I respect and love falling into adultery or getting drunk or, or uh, you know, falling into addiction, etc. Because, you know, the Bible says, like people, like priests. Hosea 4.9, the new living. And what the priests do, the people also do. So now I will punish both priests and people for their wicked deeds. Because if the shepherds can't or won't walk the line, then how can the sheep? I believe in these days to come, a lot of the shenanigans and games that were going on in churches, God is going to deal with that. He's going to deal with that. And so, again, we must be realize God wants us to be sober. 
You know, one recent pastor recently had to step down from leading a global um, uh, networks of churches. You know, he got drunk after a conference. How many of you can acknowledge that's wrong? But if it's wrong for him, how come it's right for you? I'm praying that man will be restored because I respect him. But let me say this, this is God's house. And Jesus Christ is coming back. It is time for God's house to be put into order. And let, let me say this, this attitude that many Christians have to alcohol, you know, going for a few beers after the service, that is not, it is not godly. I don't believe it pleases God. And you, you might say, oh, but pastor, in my culture, it's normal to drink alcohol. Listen, I'm Irish. Jesus, if anybody knows, it should be me. I'm Irish. When did you stop drinking, Pastor John? 1991. The day I got saved, I stopped. Because as a pastor, I have to deal with so much brokenness and dysfunction. Broken homes, broken hearts, broken lives. So much of that started when they were young. You know, we, we have such an unhealthy attitude to alcohol in this nation. But let me say this in the church. Stop, stop messing with that. Because again, 1 Peter 4.17, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, then what would be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Obey the gospel of God. You see, it is clear that God expects us to obey. Can I ask you as I finish today, as the worship group come forward, are you obeying the gospel? Not do you know the gospel, but do you obey the gospel? Jesus said, now that you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. In light of Christ's sacrifice and love, we are obligated to walk in truth. Do you know that Paul the Apostle said in, in 2 John, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I delight to hear that your children are walking in truth. You see, God wants us to walk in truth. You see, we can fool others. We can fool ourselves, but we cannot fool God. He sees us for who we are. He sees us for what we are. Amen? And this is why, again, it is time for us to deal with our sin. You know, I'm amazed at people who will come to church and, and hear a message, hear the Word of God, the, the, the Word of God being preached, and yet they will willfully ignore or, or, or disregard what the Bible says when it suits them. Because, you see, the Bible says if we would judge ourselves... It's easy to point out where somebody else is wrong. Listen, as pastors, we sometimes have people coming and they're pointing out this, that, and the other. And they're completely oblivious. Like Jesus said, you know, they're pointing out the speck in their brother's eye. But when it comes to them, there's a different standard. They're oblivious to the fact that they have a beam in their own eye. So again, how we live matters to God. Amen. It's time for us to deal with this. Because let me say this. There's a great danger in a society that is as depraved as ours, that we become desensitized to sin. Because it's all around us. It's in our entertainment. It's, it's in, our, in our music. It's in our, our culture. They are literally perverted. Okay? So again, it's important for us to deal with our sin. You know, in the UK, um, over the last number of weeks, there was a show cancelled. And this show was called The Family Sex Show. And it was aimed at five-year-old children and upwards. 
And at one stage, the, the, the actors on the stage fully undress. And they get into all sorts of, let me say, positions. And then talking to, to children, encouraging them to explore their sexuality. This is five-year-old kids. You see, the left is, is obsessed with talking to little kids about gender and sexuality. So, so again, let's remember as the church, and, and this show was only cancelled uh, because uh, over 30, uh, thousands of people in the UK um, uh, protested against it. But the irony was that show was sponsored by the British Arts Council. So you see, how we live matters. And as the church, we must come back to holiness. And we must be so you know, cognizant of the fact that, this, that the sin that is around us, that we can allow the sin around us in us. You know, like the, like the Israelites. You know, the Israelites, uh, you know, uh, you know they, they fell into, into that trap. You know, they, they fell into the trap of, 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 you know, embracing the values of their generation rather than the values of their God. And so I'd like you to stand to your feet today. I'm not trying to be holier than thou. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But let me say this, God is a holy God and He wants us to live a holy life. I, I sometimes wonder if the angels in heaven, looking down, sometimes turn to God and say, God, Father, they do know that you're coming back again, don't they? I mean, you gave them the signs. And the signs are happening all around them. And yet, they're, they're having premarital sex. They're getting drunk. They're watching all sorts of perverted things in the name of entertainment. Do they believe you're coming back, Jesus? You see, how we live matters to God. He's coming back for a holy church. A holy people. It's time, people. It's time for us to search our hearts. Just like the precious Jewish people every Passover, they searched their homes for that leaven. It's a symbol of how we are to search our hearts for any sin, any compromise. Christian you shouldn't be living with your girlfriend if you're a Christian you shouldn't be downloading porn you shouldn't be using bad language God wants us to live a holy life he is coming back you know if we learn anything from the parable of the ten virgins it is this some people are taken some people are left do you think you're ready to, to, to greet Jesus at his return with the smell of whiskey on your breath Are you saying, Pastor, just because I don't go to church that I'm not ready for the rapture? Yes. God has one show in town and it is the church. If you love Jesus, you love the church. If you love Jesus, you want to gather with the saints. You're not sitting at home in your jammies on your backside every Sunday. If you're sick or you have something like that, that's fine. But otherwise, get into church. Get planted. Planted in the house of the Lord.
how we live matters. How we live matters. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Turn to your neighbor, say, playtime's over, baby. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for a church that is ready. 